1: everybody, welcome to another week of Football and Grits. I am your host, David Ubbin, and it's Monday, and that means, like every Monday, the Athletics National Writer, Andy Staples, joining me to look back on the weekend that was in the SEC, and there was a lot. Uh, Andy, we'll get into plenty of Bama, Georgia in this show. Any spare thoughts coming off of the weekend that don't have to do with the Tide or Bulldogs?
2: Well, the Tennessee situation is interesting. I read your story on the, the quarterback situation there. I heard something on the broadcast that, that kind of piqued my interest. And, uh, you know, Tom Hart and Cole Kublik and Jordan Rogers do a very good job. They were talking about talking to Jeremy Pruitt about their quarterback situation. And, you know, one of the questions I think a lot of people have had is they seem very reluctant to go away from Jared Garantano to give one of the younger guys a chance. And from what Jordan was saying it was because Jeremy Pruitt says we we, we put a lot on Jared Garantana we, we asked him to do a lot and I believe the phrase was we asked him to play quarterback which means you know he's got to set protections he's got to do a lot of different things at the line of scrimmage uh, it's not hey I'm going to look at the sideline and and they're going to tell me what to do to which I say that's great doesn't get you any extra points <laughs> so why are you doing that? You know, I, that that's what I don't understand. You've got a situation where it's not working for you, where you have basically given yourself no out because you can't put a younger guy in and expect to run the offense. That's on the coaches to figure out how to simplify the offense. So if you need – because what if Jarek Garantano got hurt? You'd still have to put a younger guy in. Figure out how to simplify things so that you can move quarterbacks around if you need to. And look, Jim Chaney is not incapable of playing a young quarterback. Last I checked, he had a true freshman quarterback who won the SEC and took them to the National Championship game in 2017. So it's not like they can't figure things out for a true freshman or, or for a younger guy who hasn't played. That part really bugs me. When I see a situation like yesterday, because Garantano after the two pick sixes, his confidence was just shattered. It they brought him back in, but they may as well have not have.
1: Yeah, one thing I touched on. I don't know if there's any Ted Lasso fans out there, but uh, I guess the opposite. Of, I guess the opposite of a goldfish is an elephant. And uh, Jared Garantano, when when things start snowballing on him, looks a lot more like an elephant than a goldfish. And uh, we saw that on full display uh, on Saturday. Well, thank you, everybody, for subscribing to the show. Leave us a review. Leave us a five-star rating. It only helps the show. We've got a full week of content on this show uh, on the Athletics website and app. If you don't already subscribe, change that. You can go to the slash grits. You can read all of Andy's work, my work, our entire team. We've got 400 writers from the West Coast to the U.K. covering soccer. And, of course, if you don't get enough of us uh, on Mondays, check out the Andy Staples show. You're there constantly covering college football at large. So, Andy, let's get into the awards for this week. The best game, we got to start at the top. Not a lot of late drama, but Alabama and Georgia, you know, with, with apologies to Arkansas and Ole Miss, it's amazing watching these two teams play. I referenced it, you know, a little bit last week on, on uh, one of the later week shows, but it just looks like a different sport than most games. There's so much NFL talent on the field. These programs are on another level compared to everyone, but Clemson and Ohio State, and that's just about it. Even though we didn't get the late season drama in you know, that first half, I mean, we basically got a mid-October playoff game. Great football. It's this sport at its best, and watching those games, God, it's just it's incredible just to watch and see those two teams on the same field with each other.
2: Watch the way they tackle each other in those games. Mm-hmm. When, when you get those types of teams together, where it's Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, when they play one another, they just hit so much harder. And it, every, every play, f- you feel like it means something. And look, Alabama kind of, they didn't run away with it, but they won fairly comfortably in the fourth quarter. And I was surprised by that. I, given what we saw out of Alabama's defense against Ole Miss – I didn't think Alabama's defense would be able to play this well against Georgia's offense, but it did a great job. And meanwhile, we wonder who'd crack the code on Georgia's defense. Well, guess what? It's it's Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith and Mac Jones. Yeah, do you think – are you setting off any
1: alarms on Georgia's defense? I, I personally no. am not. I think Bama's just that good. <laughs> no, I think you, they've got speed You get that many NFL receivers
2: have. and you can score on anybody.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I, I still think Georgia, I still think this is an elite, elite defense. I think Bama's offense is, is just that good. So your concern level on Georgia's defense?
2: Is not much at all. I, I think that mm-hmm. was the first of at least two meetings. I think they're mm-hmm. playing again in December. Uh, unless Florida's defense gets considerably better, I, I'd still see Georgia win in the East.
1: Yeah. You know, looking at uh, another award that I'll hand out this week, the, the Cinderella Award Stetson Bennett's the fourth. uh, Incredible story. One of the best stories in college football this year. It struck midnight on him. You know, I think he can win the East. He's good enough to win Georgia the East. But, But look back at all the teams that have beaten Alabama since they've sort of ramped up this offense and since sort of Tua took over. You have Joe Burrow, Bo Nix, Trevor Lawrence, Jarrett Stidham, Deshaun Watson. So what you're telling me is that unless you're Auburn, you need a number one pick in the NFL draft <laughs> to beat Alabama, and you know it's it's uh, you know respect to Stetson Bennett. I don't know that he's going to be the number one pick in any drafts anytime soon. So he just he he doesn't have the tools to score like you have to have to beat this Alabama team. He made some good throws, you know he has a good line, good weapons, but he can't stretch the field and he isn't accurate enough that every time Alabama gives you a crack, you got to take advantage of that. Great player, a great story, but I just think you know you've got to have a dynamic player to go toe
2: to toe with Bama, and they they didn't have that, and especially in the second half, man, it was it was really exposed. So what do you do about that, David? Because they've tried to on Mathis, and he doesn't run the offense as well as Stetson Bennett runs it, but he has probably a bigger skill set. So do you do you put somebody like him in and hope that? He gets better, or do you, do you try JT Daniels? We don't. We don't really know what his health situation is because we haven't gotten to see him play yet. But do you, do you try JT Daniels and, and let him play a little bit? And he's got five-star arm talent. We we saw that. We've seen him play a full season as a starter at USC. Do you do that so that you're ready for meeting number two, or do you stick with Stetson Bennett? Because here's the thing: you still have to get to meeting number two. You still have to win the rest of your games, probably and we'll see with with Florida but you got to beat Florida and if they don't lose again you can't lose again
1: earmuffs for my Georgia listeners uh, don't let Justin Fields transfer <laughs> that that's Stop how it. you do that you,
2: you, you listen you can't go back they're to not the Justin good enough.
1: fields it happened it's over they don't have a guy it's that simple if you want to beat Alabama you don't let Justin Fields transfer they do not have a guy on this roster that is going to beat Alabama in the year 2020 it is not going to happen Stetson Bennett's not going to do it Dewan Mathis is not going to do it and JT Daniels even if he gets healthy he hasn't taken enough reps he's not going to do it that's where Georgia is right now they're a great team a great roster you have to have a playmaker at quarterback Georgia doesn't have one on this roster Georgia's I think good enough to get to the well maybe in theory get to the playoff we'll see how it shakes out they're probably going to finish with two losses they're, 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 they're not, not getting to, to the playoff. If they, to, if they
2: win the East and lose to Alabama, they're not getting to the playoff. Probably
1: not. But they're not. They're not good enough to beat that upper class: Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama. They They are the worst of those four teams. I I liked them when they had Jamie Newman. I thought they had a shot to make a run. They don't have a playmaker at quarterback. And that's what it is. That's what it is right now. Well, Andy, the best team of the week. I'll let you start on this one. Where are you going? Who impressed you the most?
2: I was most impressed with Alabama. I mean, it, mm-hmm. that was the the question was how good is this offense and the answer is it's really really good. We and we had a feeling but <laughs> we wanted to see it against a premium defense and that's what Georgia is and uh, they made it look easy against a defense that nobody makes it look easy against except LSU last year. And oh by the way, let me let me throw some some numbers at you David because remember how we said nobody's ever going to top LSU's offense from last year.
1: I've heard that. I've heard that.
2: Forty eight point two points a game, seven point nine yards a play, some crazy, crazy numbers. Crazy numbers. Alabama scored forty eight point five and has eight point three yards per play. And you know, normally we'd say, Oh, well it's early in the season, you can't really compare that. But remember, they're only playing conference games. So And they've already played it, Georgia. That's one of their right. four games. <laughs> so it actually is somewhat comparable. And yeah. I think that I think that's pretty interesting. I don't I don't know if Alabama can stay at this pace or if they'll even need to because they'll be playing some teams that they don't need to to score that much against. But there's a good chance the numbers that Mac Jones and his crew put up could compare very favorably to the ones that Joe Burrow and his crew put up.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know time will tell. I, I think there's no question that. Alabama has the receiver talent that's close to what we saw at LSU. I don't know if it's quite as good. I'm still not with you on the Mac Jones. <laughs> Mac Jones is a good player. I don't know that he's Joe Burrow, but they've got so much around him. and He's, he's not he's Joe thrown, Burrow. He doesn't have to be He's thrown Joe from a lot of clean pockets, and that but, is a huge help.
2: You know who else threw from a lot of clean pockets? Tua Tunga-Vailoa. Worked out pretty well for him. It's true. It's true. No, uh, it's, uh, he's not Joe Burrow, but you don't you don't have to be Joe Burrow with this line and, and, and those weapons. Yeah, and and we're really uh, uh,
1: slow playing Najee Harris on this too. He, we really shaved. gave him a shout out. It was it 152
0: against George? Yeah. That's pretty good. Very good. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. Requires high-speed Internet-connected Gemini
2: device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV Terms and restrictions apply.
1: Uh, my best team, I'm going to go with the team that needed it. Shy Smith, legit star, budding star in this league. I'm going with South Carolina. Their first sort of win where you, you know, you did something. You know, they rallied. They go down uh, early to Auburn, get back and, and win that ball game. This is a, a plucky team. It's the f- sort of first win that makes you sit up and, and notice them, that, that South Carolina... Doesn't appear to be uh, headed for
2: the trash heap, but Andy, what do you make of, of Auburn coming off of that game? It's a it's a tough situation. They've got to figure out what to do about the quarterback situation because they're not getting out of Bo Nicks what he should be able to give them. It, uh, I, I talked to Greg McElroy, who had that game, and you know Greg's a former Alabama quarterback and knows a thing or two about playing the position. You know, went to a national title game and won one. Uh, He said Bo has got to stay in the pocket more often, and not just because, you know, he's not run. He's not leaving the pocket always because of pressure. A lot of times he's just leaving because he wants to leave, even when it could be a clean pocket, and that's disrupting a lot of things. If you notice, they don't have much of a downfield passing game except throw a jump ball to Seth Williams. They hardly ever hit a receiver in stride, and that. That's yeah. just not going to work. Now, this offense tends to work best when you're running between the tackles. That's when you can get some wide-open receivers. You can make some huge plays in the passing game because they have to bring that extra guy into the box. But they're not running well enough to justify that. You know, there's there's no carry in Johnson. And Tank Bigsby's a, a, a good player. But – they're not doing what they did with Karrion Johnson in 17 or with Trey Mason in 13, and it's not opening up the passing game. You know, you got Anthony Schwartz there. He's the fastest guy in college football. But is he a threat to take the top off of the defense if they can't throw it to him?
1: Yeah, doesn't look like it. What? Why do you feel like that's happening to Bo Nix? Do you feel like it's a happy feet thing? It's a him looking to run, and maybe he thinks it's there and it's not there? Is that something he's going to be able to fix as he gets a little more mature? What What's your feel for that? It, I think you're right be, about that for sure. It may
2: be instinctual because you know against Kentucky he didn't he didn't do that as much, and mm-hmm. and granted South Carolina may have a little more talent on defense, and uh, you know against Georgia there's certainly a lot more talent on defense, and and he did do it a lot, so it may just be a function of who they're playing, but they got to sit him down and say, look. Look at when you do well and look at when you don't do well. And like the the first pick to JC Horn, he's on his back foot, sidearm, and like there's no excuse to be that way on that play if you watched how that play went down. Now, yeah. now go to the touchdown pass to Eli Stove. He catches the ball, he's got a nice clean pocket, he sits in, he steps forward, he fires the ball, he hits Stove in stride, touchdown. Like that That is what they need more of, and they're just not getting it from him. And there's really no threat of the bench because I don't think they have anybody behind him that they they can go to.
1: Yeah. We're looking at the best individual performance, Andy. uh, we got to talk about the Hogs. Yes, Uh, we do. Grant Morgan and Hudson Clark are my two best individual performances. I don't think you can separate them. Morgan, three tackles for loss, a sack, uh, returns an interception for a touchdown. Nineteen tackles. Hudson Clark. Wait, wait wait, is wait, wait, wait. There's, there's
2: more to it than that, though. He did all that Please with do. one arm. One arm. With one arm. <laughs> because he had a giant brace on one arm and he couldn't do anything. So there was a play in the, late in the game where he he almost intercepts a pass and you're like, oh well, I see why he couldn't do that because he's only got really one working arm. He has one arm. And then like a few plays later, <laughs> he does intercept it and returns it for a touchdown. <laughs> it's fantastic.
1: Uh Hudson Clark, uh walk on from the Dallas area, former walk on, three interceptions. You can't say enough about Barry Odom, you know, your front runner right now for the Broyles Award. But how do we feel, Andy, looking around at the SEC? Are the three best defenses Arkansas, Kentucky? I mean, are our three best defenses Georgia, Arkansas, and Kentucky? We have to look around a little
2: more, but so far yeah, I'd say so. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Arkansas has been really good. And remember, they played without Bumper Pool on Saturday. You know, he's probably their best defensive mm-hmm. player, and he won't even in the game. Um, you know, they really, I can't say enough. And, and Dave, Oda, uh, Dave Odom, uh, former South Carolina <laughs> basketball coach Dave Odom. No, yeah. Barry, Odom, Versatile. Barry Odom has done a great job. Now, he probably should have never been fired at Missouri. I felt like he got a raw deal there. Sam Pittman picked him up very quickly. This particular situation against Ole Miss, I think Arkansas had a little bit of an advantage that other schools will not have in that they had Lane Kiffin's former offensive coordinator on their staff and Kendall Bryles, the, the current Hogs offensive coordinator. And then you know Kendall's also the, the brother-in-law of Jeff Levy, the, the current Ole Miss offensive coordinator. So Barry Odom can go to Kendall and say, what drives you crazy in this offense because you know it very well. And Kendall can say, I don't like it when you do this. I don't like it when you do this. I don't like it. And and so it helps to create a game plan for that offense. But the thing is, if you look at them against Auburn, you look at them mm-hmm. against Mississippi State, and, and even against Georgia, Arkansas's defense has had a great plan every game. They got out-talented against Georgia. But the teams that, that can't out-talent them, they're having no problem stopping them. Versatile. I mean, it looks—it's almost
1: like you see in the NFL. Versatile, uh, every single week doing different things every single week. You know, adjusting. Um, and I, I'm really—you know—we've said—you know—we've kind of been slow playing Arkansas. Well, they're—they're going to be a tough out, or they're going to—you know—push teams, but they're not quite good yet. I'm—I'm I'm wondering if Arkansas might be kind of good. We'll see. I, I think we'll they see. might. Be Who's your good. Uh, best is... individual performance of the year?
2: Well, before before I get to the best individual performance, I will say that one more thing about Arkansas. Our, our friend Ari Wasserman, who comes recruiting for us, likes to point out the twenty four seven composite talent composite, and what that does is mm-hmm. it measures the recruiting rankings of everybody on your on your roster right now. Arkansas is number twenty five in the country, so conceivably they should be able to play with everybody except the Georges and the Alabamas of the world. Like they should be able to hang with those teams, and I think that's the part we we're, we're not we're not getting because they were so bad under Chad Morris, we assume they're, like, you know, number 70 in talent. No, they're number 25, and Sam Pittman is now maximizing that talent. So, like, when they go to A&M in a couple weeks, I think that could be a really interesting game. So, yeah, but – Let's go to my my individual performance. I'm gonna go with JC. Horn, the cornerback from South Carolina, uh, how Joe Horn managed to raise a corner, how a great receiver managed to raise a
1: corner. I don't know. But that's like a, that's C. like Horton an Auburn had... grad raising a son who goes to Alabama.
2: Exactly. But I tell you what JC. Horn was fantastic in that game because basically he was told, wherever Seth Williams goes, you go. And Seth Williams is tough to stop, but Horn had as his, his first career pick. He was all over the field. He was just fantastic, and he was the best player on the field. He is in our, our, our draft guy, D- Dane Brugler's top 50 big board, and with good reason.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we got to dig into the worst team performance, and, Andy, we're on the same page here. Uh, we got to talk about the Vols. We touched on them a little bit at the top. You know, it was, it was understandable. I think that Tennessee was probably going to lose a game at some point this season to a team that they should beat, uh, or a team that they sh- are supposed to beat team in the bottom half of the SEC, you know, at some point. This roster has improved, um, but it's still not quite good enough to just coast through the South Carolinas and the Kentuckys of the world. But to get punked like that, uh, I think obviously unacceptable and poses some uh, pretty serious questions about the program. Uh, You know you have issues when you just get dominated like that. I mean, there's no excuse the second half of that game, Tennessee knows Kentucky's going to run the ball pretty much every snap and they still average 5.7 yards a carry. You know Jeremy Pruitt talked about the game or after the game about uh, guys missing time and, and that's true. They were they were dealt a tough hand with contact tracing but not a uh, lose at home by four scores to Kentucky hand. Uh, th- you talk to people around Tennessee. This is not far from the impact of the of the Georgia State loss. I think you know how they respond will be huge. I think if they can hang a little bit with Alabama next week, or at least not self self destruct like we've seen in the second half against Georgia, and then of course for sixty minutes against Kentucky. What do you make of, of where the Vols are at right now under Jeremy Pruitt and sort of the state of the program?
2: This is a tough spot having to go into Alabama like this. It, mm-hmm. it really is because bad timing. You've got to you've got to put up a fight against them. And it's just, the way Alabama's playing, that's going to be tough to do. And they will kill you if you make mistakes. Tennessee has made quite a few, like, even when they beat South Carolina, that wasn't a a clean game. You know, Mm -hmm. it was, they made fewer mistakes than the Gamecocks, but on that particular night, that wasn't saying much. So, I I just, they've got to get the quarterback situation figured out, and I, I don't know if that's something you can do in a week, and it's certainly not something you can do when you're planning on playing the team they're about to play, but it's they have to figure out post-Alabama, because I'm, I'm just writing off the Alabama game as a game they're not going to have a chance to win. But mm-hmm. post-Alabama, when they get back to games that, that they can win, they have got to give themselves a chance, because they took themselves out of that game on Saturday. Think about Kentucky. Kentucky's not built to come back. They're not built to do much, but they are built to sit on a lead, and so, if you spot them fourteen points on pick sixes, they are going to sit on that lead. So, yep. that's the part that that Tennessee has got to be able to. Don't give the other team that big of an advantage. You you've got to you've got to help yourself a little bit. So, they've got to either have the come to Jesus quarterback moment and figure out, you know, is Jarrett Garantano the guy, or do you? Say we're gonna go with somebody else and even if he struggles, we're gonna stick with him because we gotta pick somebody. Or do you say we're gonna we're gonna fix the offense so that whichever one of these guys we gotta use, we can use them. Because I think that that's part of the problem is they felt like they can't like that it's a monumental undertaking to change quarterbacks. It doesn't it shouldn't have to be that hard. Cause again, what if your guy got hurt? <laughs> yeah. You need to be capable of bringing another guy in, and being able to run most of your offense. I remember having this conversation with Dabo Sweeney. It was like seven or eight years ago. And it was basically, I, he, he said he used to get mad because the quarterbacks couldn't do all the things he needed them to do. And then he realized, I don't need to be mad about this. I just need to change things so that they can do it when they get in here from high school and make it easy for them. And it seems like a pretty sound philosophy.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's where Tennessee is at right now because it's... Listen, Jarrett Garantano is who he is. He is, you know, he's been kind of the same guy for the last three years. We haven't seen a lot of progression. Whatever. That is what it is. That's one guy. But if you have... If you're in year three of establishing your program and you have a quarterback that throws pick sixes on consecutive drives and the next guy you bring in, the first ball he throws is picked off and you have to go back to the first guy... That's an indictment of your quarterback development evaluation. If you don't have a guy on your roster that you can even say, hey, settle us down, and you don't have that, that is, I mean, it's an indictment of where the program is right well, now and, at the most and, important position on
2: the field. And also you need to have some kind of either package or sub-package that if it all goes wrong, you can bring a young guy in and he can play. Like, mhm it shouldn't be that hard. You shouldn't have to have a fourth-year starter to run your offense. That's all there is to it. I mean, everybody else in college football has already figured this out. Everybody else, literally. So yeah. that's one, that's and they've done a good job at Tennessee based on, you know, if you think about where they were when they got there. But this particular piece needs to get fixed because it's what's holding them back. Yeah.
1: Garantano struggling is on him, but the fact that they don't have an answer when they try to go answer that question and all their answers are bad, I mean that's on literally everything else in the program.
2: That is a that is a problem. Oh can, Well can we, can that we give will a do a it for this week's we show. Can, oh no I gotta give a I gotta give a shout out, David. Do. One, one shout please do So I had a because we didn't do this here on this one either. I had a Texas AM fan mad at me because of my my game wrap-up podcast where we talk about all the games in the country. I didn't mention the Aggies beating Mississippi State. And you notice we didn't mention them very much either. <laughs> well, guess what? We didn't mention them because it was the most boring game of the weekend. And that sounds like an insult, but guess, you know, when you think about it, it's actually a compliment to Texas A&M. They were supposed to win that game. They were supposed to win that game comfortably. And They did. Their offensive line played well. I even without Bobby Brown, their defensive line played very well. I, I really like Jaden Peavy and, and DeMarvin Leal. I thought they played really well on Saturday. So I think the fact that we're not saying much, like the, if you're an Aggies fan, I can understand you're not used to this. Like we don't talk about Alabama when they roll Missouri either. It's like hey, Alabama roll Missouri, yeah, whatever. Okay, that was boring. You guys beat mm-hmm. Mississippi State. Mississippi State can't score. And you beat them by a nice, comfortable margin. That is progress in College Station. So be very, very happy, Texas A&M fans, that we're not talking about you right now. And the next time we do talk about you, will be probably because you've won a big game. If if this is if this is how things are going, although I, I, I will say, your next game against Arkansas, intriguing for many, many reasons. So we'll probably probably talk quite a bit about that.
1: Andy Staples uh, talking about Aggies' discontent over the respect of their team. Surely you jest. Surely you jest. I have never heard an AM fan frustrated over the perception of their team. That's a new one for me. I know they're <laughs> usually so level-headed and and you know have fairly realistic expectations about everything. They're always like, you know what, nine wins is going to be fantastic this year. We're going to get the proper <laughs> amount of respect. We're going to be sitting there that eighteen to twenty-two range. That's our home. That's our home. (laughs) That's the Aggies that I know. I don't know who this joker you ran into
2: was, but uh, surely he's just an outlier. Must be, must be. Well, he should be happy, though, because I do feel like they're on the right path. Their trajectory feels pretty good. Looks a lot better than it did when they uh,
1: faced off against Alabama, and Alabama doing what they did to Georgia's got to make the Aggies feel a little bit better too.
2: Right? I don't. I don't. I, I do look at that Alabama loss for Texas A and M in a new light because they did mm-hmm. they didn't do the same thing to Georgia, but they're going to be that that tough on everybody. So A and i I I'm looking at you slightly differently this week, and and listen, that means you can win every game on the rest of your schedule. Mm It doesn't mean you will, but it means they can. Absolutely. Well, that will do it for the Monday edition of Football
1: and Grits. For Andy Staples, I am David Eub. And, again, leave us a review. Check out our stuff on The Athletic and the rest of our college football staff. Check out the Andy Staples Show as well. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for subscribing sure to tell a friend and we'll see you again tomorrow aaron Suttles will take you inside the tide ask your answer your questions uh, so make sure to reach out to him if you want to know some things about the sec so thanks again for listening we'll see you guys again the rest of this week